All right, welcome back to the Face Off Spot. I'm your host, Adam Larson, and I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. Uh, I always really appreciate it when you guys tune in. Uh, I'd also like to show, show some love for our sponsor, uh, Howie's Hockey Tape Company. Um, you can find yourself getting 10% off of any Howie's Hockey purchases if you enter the coupon code FACEOFF and then the number 10. That's FACEOFF. The number 10 will get you 10% off of your next Howie's Hockey purchase. Uh, but anyway, showing some love for Howie's and uh, appreciate the sponsorship. Um, all right. Well, um, today uh, is another special episode. They're all special to me in their own unique ways. Um, sometimes they're special because I get to talk to people that I've never talked to before. Uh, and my next guest I, I haven't talked to before, we've kind of chit-chatted and we, we've scheduled this episode, but this is somebody that I'm going to be uh, learning a little bit more about. Didn't have a whole lot of previous knowledge, but has a huge hockey background. Is also from the Midwest, which uh, I'd like to show some, some love to the Midwest uh, every once in a while as well. Um, he is also the assistant coach uh, for the Lindenwood Lions, uh, I would like to welcome on the show today, uh, Tom Winkler. Tom, thank you for coming on the show. Adam, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, it, it's really one of those things, too, to where um, I felt like we became uh, friends on social media. And, you know, there, there's some people that friend me, um, you know, and I'm not quite sure, like, who they are or if they have skin in the hockey game or whatnot. Um, but I came across to you and you had, obviously... Uh, you've been in the sport for quite some time, and I'm sure have uh, plenty of things to talk about. But uh, b- before we get into that, though, um, I kind of wanted to go over it. You just, uh, I guess I could say recently, uh, took the assistant coaching job with, with Lindenwood, and this will be your guys' first year at the, the Division I NCAA uh, uh, level. Is that true? Did I get all that right? That's, that's uh, dead on, 100% well, correct. Well, hey, and we will get into this a little bit later, but I want to say congratulations, uh, obviously, to Lindenwood and yourself as well. And uh, I think more, you know, good hockey programs that we can get up into the D1 level, uh, the better. But uh, I'm sure that it was well-deserved, but uh, we'll get into that here in just a little bit. But, uh, Tom, you have to start off the show the same way everybody starts the show off. And I wanted to know how you got involved in the sport. Might not have been the first time that you touched the ice, the you're a Midwest guy like myself. Um, how uh, how did you get into the sport? Uh, well, originally being from St. Louis, uh, lifelong blues fan. Um, and as a kid, uh, it's kind of interesting because my my dad didn't play hockey. My older brothers did, but they didn't start playing until they were in high school. Um, it was kind of something that um, my my mother took me took me skating when I was relatively young, um, just as something to do and. Uh, Started watching, obviously watching the Blues and, and you know, was in the, the house leagues out at Creve Corps Ice Arena in St. Louis. And um, a, again, it's it's uh, just developed a, a love and a passion um, for the game and was fortunate to play to play all the way through high school. And I had a, a brief collegiate career um, and then fell in love with coaching and, and just kind of, again, just the passion. Um, so it started out very young. And, uh, yeah, just well, it, 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 kind of one of those things, you know, it just, it was just something I always enjoyed to do. And when I wasn't playing, I was watching and, um, it just kind of built from there. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because everybody kind of has, you know, uh, similar, uh, stories as far as their, uh, initiation into the sport itself, but it's kind of funny cause you're really not the only one or the first one that I've had on the show that it's been kind of their older brothers have kind of been the ones to, uh, kind of start playing hockey, even though that the, they were a little older. 
but it's like you were still young enough at that point where you kind of had a little bit more time to to grow into it. Like you said, your brother started a little bit later, but with you being the younger brother, um, did they kind of help uh, show you the way a little bit? Um, how was that relationship with your brothers? Oh, uh, it was, I, I've been very fortunate. Uh, my older twin brothers are uh, uh, obviously guys I always looked up to. They were Naval Academy grads and they served the country for 30 years in the Navy. Um, and I probably shouldn't tell this story, but one of the things that was cool about having older brothers is that they let me tag along all the time. Um, yeah. So I was able to go to a lot of Blues games and Cardinals games and do some things that were, they'd throw them back seat and say if i you know told mom and dad that i was with them that i wouldn't be allowed to do anything <laughs> um but they, they what was really cool was that they actually worked at the creek core ice rink and on fridays and saturday nights um they would and again it's probably past the statute of limitations to tell them, <laughs> they would open the back doors and their high school team would come in and play um and we would skate we would skate from midnight till three thirty, four in the morning um and i was obviously the youngest guy out there uh, but being able to play with the older guys and, and being around my brothers, I, I, I always tell that story because it's one of the things I felt was really important for me. My development as a player was, you know, being fifth, sixth grader, being able to play with, with high school age guys. So, um, it was, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. I have really, really great memories of that. And, and obviously, uh, you know, the things that they'd gone on and, and did, and, and they're obviously, um, I'm really, really proud of them, but they really did take care of me. And obviously, again, being able to get all that extra ice time and and, and compete against those guys. And um, it was not only a lot of fun, but at the time, it was obviously very important uh, development. Yeah. yeah. And and, and uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this just so that we're both in this together. OK, Tom, um, this obviously never happens at the Star Centers. And I do mean this because it's <laughs> corporate run. Literally, it, 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 it is not the same as maybe those old uh uh, smaller rinks, but I can remember my hometown rink in Tulsa. It was kind of one of the things and one of the reasons why people wanted to work at the rink. It was like, because at the end of the night, when everything got closed down, as long as everything was done and, and people did their jobs, it wasn't unheard of at the end of the night for people to, you know, step out. Cause we were the ones that had to close down anyway. We would make sure that yeah. looked great for the morning, but it was part of that thing is that, you know, we'd hop on the ice for 30, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour, sometimes a little longer, like you're talking about. Um, but it was just one of those things to where that that amount of ice time, if you think about ice time being as, as expensive as, as it is, oh. you know, and, 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 you're, and you're paying these high school kids or these younger kids, you know, whether or not they're on the Zam or they're selling candy bars, it's like, you know, they're not making a lot, but they love being at the rink. And sometimes you kind of want to be able to give them a little gift every once in a while. But if you like to skate, it's one of those things where working at a rink will get you a lot more uh, ice time than not working at one. So it seems like your your brothers kind of got you uh, in the door there. But I think it's really cool because that happens a lot more, especially at local rinks, uh, you know, people really uh, know about. But the, it's, a, it's a cool story either way. And I'm glad that they were able to kind of get you out there on the ice. Um, but I'm assuming that, you know, you're, you're, you're playing and, you know, at, at what point, do you kind of start like, you know, you said you had a passion for it, you know, since the very beginning. Uh, but at what point do you get kind of uh, competitive? And I'm assuming that you're traveling at some point. Uh, what age are you kind of when it gets a little bit more serious? Oh, I, I would say it was probably at the 
later stages of the peewee here, um, Bantam minor, I guess. Um, that's, that's when, you know, but I just remember right around that time being in, being in that seventh, eighth grade, uh, sixth, seventh, eighth grade range. And, uh, you know, just again, wanting to, wanting to do more teams, wanting to try out for more teams, wanting to travel, wanting, you know, wanting to do more summer camps, um, you know, even doing some of the stuff that quite, quite frankly, wasn't as much fun, but always wanting to do the power skating and the, the things like that, that, um, you know, would give you an edge, give you a competitive edge. Um, so I, I would say around then, probably that second year of Pee first year Bantam. Uh, yeah. Teams started to have a lot of success. And once your team started to have success, that kind of opened doors for, for everybody on it. Um, so I would say around that, around that age. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that sounds about right here. Um, and one of the things too, that I'm always kind of curious about, like what, uh, what organization are you playing for at this time? Cause, um, I want to say that when I was growing up, you know, cause we would, uh, we would play teams out of St. Louis, but they weren't the junior blues yet. They weren't, uh, tied to the blues. I want to say at a certain point, it might've been, uh, the spirit, I think may have been, uh, the organization there, but who, uh, what organization were you skating for at the time, uh, out of St. Louis? Hey, Adam, I'm kind of, are you there? I'm kind of losing you a little bit there, I think. Yeah, do you, uh, do you have, um, and I don't know if it's on my side or your side, but do you have a, like a decent uh, yeah, connection? Yeah, I'm going in and out on it. Okay, because uh, yeah, you're, you're going in and out on me. Um, do you think, is there any way to check? Are you on your phone or your laptop? My phone. You're on your phone. Is it, uh, is it connected to Wi-Fi or are you just doing data? Yeah, no, I'm good. I got full bars and full Wi-Fi. Huh. Okay. Um, am I am I breaking up on you? Like, can is it a little a little bit? There's just kind of that white noise in there. Yeah. Um. Because yeah. Oh, that's better. That's better now. Okay. Yeah. This is so you're super clean and super clear right now. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. So let's uh let's see. So we obviously, I think I, I think I lost you right when you were asking what organization I was with. Yeah. 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 So, and, and we, we can edit all of this out so that this isn't a big deal at all, but, um, let me, um, let's see, uh, let me kind of ask the question again and then we can go from here. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, so one of the things, you know, cause I'm from Tulsa originally and St. Louis was not one of the teams that we would play, uh, normally cause they worked in our, our league per se. Uh, but we would play uh, against them uh, quite a bit for uh, special tournaments. But at that point, I don't think that they were linked to uh, the Blues organization, uh, similar to the Stars. When we when we would go down to Dallas at the beginning, uh, it would be the the Junior Stars. But uh, what organization were you playing out of uh, in St. Louis? Yeah, you're you're correct. At that point in time, uh, AAA hadn't really uh, been formed, and I'm kind of dating myself. That tells you how old I am. Um, mm -hmm. I put out of, out of Creek Corps, um, Afton, Kirkwood, um, it, cause at that time it was, there were most of the associations were community based. Um, so those, you probably would have played against either Afton Americans, Kirkwood stars, Creek Corps, 
um, Creepcore Hockey Club. Uh, trying to think who else around that time. Uh, oh gosh, Webster, Webster Grows Youth Hockey Association. Uh, those are those are probably the big ones, and I'm sure I'm missing one or two, so I don't want to upset anybody. Well, no, no, no. yeah, and those the, the, those are the big ones. Yeah, I, I those, those were the big ones. I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, Tom. Not, not at all. But I just no. I knew that, that it, it was. It kind of took a little while um, for the Blues to kind of be uh, involved in, in the, uh, the the youth program. Uh, can you kind of remember when that started? Um, it wasn't too much later after I was done playing, but because um, uh, it, it's going very well now. Um, I'm yes. down here. In Dallas. Right. I'm going. I, I'm living down here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and um, the the uh, Junior Blues, the Triple A program that they play against, always has really, really, really good teams. I'm assuming that uh, the Junior Blues are doing good things, but uh, how long has that been the case that the uh, the Blues have had an interest in kind of that youth hockey program to where um, they're kind of linked up that way? Yeah, um, I can tell you this: when I was when I was a kid and playing, um, it was really cool because I had I had the privilege of playing with. Uh, Red Berenson's son, uh, Rusty Barkley, Plager's son, Kevin. Um, and we would have those guys come out and practice with us. So this was in the, you know, mid, mid, in the eighties, mid to mid to late eighties. Um, the precursor to, uh, and again, I'm, I'm jogging my memory here a little bit, but the precursor to the triple A blues was team St. Louis, um, or team, team Missouri, no team St. Louis. And it was kind of a, you know, it was a kind of a tournament team that would that would go out of the town once or twice a week a month during the season, and then that group basically was the ones that laid the foundation for uh, the AAA Blues, uh, um, which came in. I would say, I want to say that they, and again, don't quote me on this, but I want to say in around ninety one, ninety two, um, yeah. somewhere somewhere in there, I think would probably when uh, the AAA AAA associations. Um, really kind of came into to being being the powers and started to develop into the powers that they are now. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of I want to move forward just a little bit here though, because um, I'm assuming that you you were you were a good player and I consider myself this way too. Uh, a good player growing up uh, at a certain point, you don't end up playing you know uh, professionally, but can you kind of take us a little bit closer to maybe that 18 uh, year old Tom or 19 year old Tom? Uh, what does that transition look like? Are you, do you continue to play and then coach? Do you take a break? And then do you end up coaching? Because you end up coaching uh, at, actually, at, at high levels here. It's, it's kind of interesting. My, my, my pathway is anything but um, uh, traditional, I guess, if you could use that word. I, I was fortunate enough after graduating from high school, I went to a small school up in Vermont, uh, called Norwich University. Um, and I was there for, for a year um, and I was playing on the hockey team up there. Uh, it was a military school. I come from a military family. Um, and it was, it was a, a, to put it lightly, it was a tough time. It was a tough go. Um, and it's kind of interesting because it, it, at the, when I first came back, I, I, I had some academic issues. I had some, some, I was basically academically ineligible um, due to poor grades. Um, and I ended up leaving the school because of it. Um, and for many, many years, it was very hard for me 
to to talk about it. And, and you know, people would ask what happened. Oh, I got burnt. I got this. I did. You know, I just I kind of skirted the issue. Um, and it wasn't until many years later I kind of realized that. The whole reason I got into coaching was to make sure that players didn't make the mistake that I had done, which was to falter on the academic side. Um, and again, a crazy twist. After I left Norwich, I went to a small college up in, uh, it was Northeast Missouri State at the time. It's since changed its name to Truman State, but I actually played soccer. Um, played three years of soccer on the men's soccer team. And, and then I had a pretty serious back injury. Um, and why this is important, because I did have a year of eligibility left, but I just wasn't healthy and I wasn't feeling right. Um, so I took the final semester that I was there and I was a student assistant coach with the soccer team. Um, and that was pretty much where I kind of started developing the, the love and the, the itch for coaching. Um, and after I graduated, I came back to St. Louis and um, was coaching youth soccer and youth hockey. Um, started out as a high school High school JV coach, uh, worked my way up to assistant uh, coach with the varsity and running the JV for Webster Groves High School in St. Louis, and then um, ended up getting a head coaching job at uh, Marquette High School in St. Louis, and then it kind of took off from there. Um, but it, it was it was my experience at Norwich that uh, basically one day it just kind of hit me. It's like, I don't want these kids that are high school players to, to experience the disappointment and, and failure. And, um, you know, I worked, I worked really hard to get to that school, to get to Norwich and to get on that team and was really loving the hockey side of it, made some really good buddies and, and then just kind of blew it. Um, so really that, that was when it kind of hit me, um, uh, that I'm doing this for, um, that I'm really into it for, it made me feel good because I was into it for the right reasons finally, which was yeah. making sure that it's about the development of the players and the maturation of the players. And, you know, if my experiences can help, you know, can help just one kid not make the same mistake I did, um, then it, then it's, then it's all worthwhile. And that's my purpose. Yeah. 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 And I, I do. And if I can interrupt here, Tom, sure. um, I, I do think it's one of those things to where, you know, we only have one life and we only have one shot to kind of try and make everything work perfectly and follow all our dreams. And there's a lot of the times to where like that doesn't end up happening, but it's almost like you have this huge, not just information about hockey, but it's almost like you can relate to kids or when I say kids, I mean, young players, you can see them struggle with the same thing. Um, I think I personally have, have a thing um, I always considered myself to be a good player, but one of the things that really kind of drew me back was almost being too into it and forgetting that it was supposed to be fun also, yeah. you know, yep. it's one of those things to where uh, my biggest takeaway. And I think one of the things that I do well as a coach is, you know, allowing these kids. And when, when I'm talking about certain players, I'm talking about players that have aspirations of really playing like high levels of hockey. And I feel like my biggest thing is to just kind of take what happened to me and just allow them to to learn from me and from my mistakes and not to uh, forget to have fun and to realize that you are a good player. You don't need to be stressed all the time. I think I do very well with kids that are stressed out, whether or not they're feeling that from their parents. Um, and I'm not saying that that was the case for me, but 
whether or not they're, they're sensing that from their parents or their coaches or whatever, at the end of the day, I'm there to remind them that if they're not having fun, then this isn't as sustainable as they think it's going to be. Cause that was my biggest thing is I forgot to have fun playing hockey, which growing up was my number one thing. It's the reason I played was hanging out with my buddies. And at a certain point, it, it just, I forgot how to do that. But it's interesting how it's almost just one of those things where it's like, hey, kid, if you'll listen to me, I can save you so much time and effort here because I've, I've made this mistake and I can really help you if, you if you'll trust me here, which is interesting because I'm trying to almost coach these kids into being competitive at a high level, but also having fun. So it's kind of weird because you got you to get onto them sometimes. And then there's other times you're like, hey, this is a sport. This is ju it's just hockey. At the end of the day, you, you don't need to be losing sleep over this. You don't, you know, the, the, I think that we forget sometimes being older now, that how much stress is going through some of these young, younger players. And I think if anything, I take away from my experience growing up saying, Hey, like, this is still supposed to be fun. Like you can be competitive. You can work hard, but if you're not having fun, it's just not going to be sustainable. And you're going to end up just, um, not having the, the energy and, and the, the things that you need to be successful. A hundred percent. And I, and I think that's, it doesn't matter what level you're at. And, uh, um, the, the key is, is that the guys want to come to the rink. Uh, they want to come mm -hmm. to the rink every day. And, um, obviously you got to put the time and the work in, but at the same time, it's, it, it can't be, it, it can't be a burden for, for people to come to the rink or to practices. There has to, it doesn't matter what level, what age, um, it, it, you've got to keep it fun. And that was, you know, you bring up a great point because that was one of the things that I was very lucky when I coached at Webster Groves High School here in St. Louis that I had an unbelievable mentor um, and a gentleman by the name of Dave Garth. And Dave, he saw my potential. He saw my upside. Um, and quite frankly, the first year, he let me fail. He let me do things my way. He let me handle things the way I thought they should have been done. And then at the end of the season, he sat down and said, listen, you have two options. You can, you can listen and, and I can mentor and teach you and lead you. And you can be really good at this or you can keep doing what you're doing. And in a year from now, you're not going to be able to coach anywhere. Yeah. Uh, so I was very lucky that I've, I've, I've had great mentors, great leaders that I've worked with um, for that main reason, because at some point in time early on in my career, I was, I was taking a lot of the fun out of the game for a lot of kids. And that's not, that that doesn't there's no recipe for success with that it just sets you up for failure so um, yeah i think that's a message that we all we all look at every day and again you know working with rick sambo here at lindenwood and our staff and coming out of huntsville with glenda tulio and our staff there um everybody was always at some point in time it's like yeah we've worked the guys pretty hard it's time to have some fun yeah we're gonna do this at the end of practice and kind of crack the ice a little bit because you know what at the end of the day it is a game. It's supposed to be fun. And you're going to get, you're going to get better results out of your guys. If you keep them in a great environment and a great atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. And I always kind of like to talk about this too. And I think this is a, a good transition into kind of, you, you know, your early years of coaching, cause you've been coaching for quite some time, but your early years, I can remember my first, I think, season uh, of coaching. And it was just, it was up in Vermont, but it was uh, essentially just the youth leagues up there. But the cool thing about Vermont's youth leagues is that you stop to travel. So even though it's technically wreck, like Woodstock, which is where I was uh, living, coaching out of at the time, we would go and we would travel to 
to other areas, but it was kind of like, kind of like a mini, like little travel. And I had some serious kids. And one of the things that I learned real quick is that I thought just being a good hockey player, that kids were just going to respect me right away and understand that, you know, Hey, I can shoot the puck art and I can do these things. And, uh, you should really listen to me and da, 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 da. But it didn't really, um, I think that my ego was too big and I hadn't been humbled um, as far as realizing, you know, I'm a young, I think, kid at this point. I'm in my mid-20s. I don't know, maybe that's not young. But uh, it was one of those things where I was humbled after my first year. It ended up, you know, being a great season and I learned a lot. But it was one of those things where that was the first time I realized just being a good hockey player doesn't translate into being a good coach. Because I did the same thing. I was you know, I was trying to talk to them, like my competitive coaches that talked to me my whole life. Um, but I just, I wasn't getting, getting the most out of those kids at that point. Was there any kind of readjustment? I know that we've kind of touched on it, but was there kind of like a readjustment for you, your first couple seasons of coaching as far as like, oh, I, I know so much about the sport, but now there's some things that I kind of have to fine tune because I have to figure out as a coach, what am I not that good at? And as a, as a, you know, a, a good hockey player, it's, it's hard to think about what am I doing wrong? What do I, cause you know, the, we all have a little bit of an ego. Um, but what were your first, uh, you know, few, few seasons, uh, in the competitive lane, you know, the, was there, was there any learning curve there? Uh, was there anything that you kind of had to, had to change? Yeah. Oh, it was a huge learning curve. Cause you're, you're a hundred percent right. Um, you know, again, and I've, I've, you know, Again, another mentor had said this, that your players don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. Uh, and that was when that was told to me, when that statement was told to me by Dave, I, I, I honestly reevaluated what I was doing, why I was doing it. Um, you know, and again, I had some kids that were in academic trouble, so I was able to kind of turn around and, and that's when it just kind of punches you in the face. It's like, okay, you know, if you're, if you're getting into this and your soul for focus is to win you're missing you're missing the boat uh yeah you can you know it, and it's and again and, and now it's you know 20 years 20 plus years down the line that i've been doing this it doesn't matter if you screamed at a kid 20 years ago and you screamed at a kid now you're not going to get the results that you want yeah uh, it's it's just different and 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 it's a good difference i think the fact that that players want to know the why of what we're doing instead of just having somebody point point at their face and tell them what to do they want to under they want to know why um, yeah so i i think it's you know the x's and o's part is always the fun part um but really the biggest part becomes people management um learning your players learning as much about your players as quickly as you can um you know building relationships with them uh i was fortunate enough to do uh an internship in Norfolk with the admirals. And the last year I was there and my internship was actually John Cooper's first year at the time. Oh. And I had known Coop. We had worked a, a couple things together in St. Louis and um, kind of followed his pathway. But one of the things that, that Coop did, and I'm sure he still does that, that he taught to, to me and some of the other guys was that, you know, you have, you have five days of practice and every day, during that time, during the course of a week, you need to have five conversations with every player that don't revolve around hockey, you know? And, and he was, he was very, very much about this. And I watched him and like, 
he would skate around at practice before practice and just skate up to every guy and just 20, 30 seconds and then move on to the next guy. And he would do this the entire warm-up time. And, and I really, I've adopted that because I think that's the time where, hey, how's it going? How's school going? How's your family doing? How's your, you know, if you've coming off, guys coming off an injury, how's your, how's your knee? Um, just little short conversations like that, that, you know, it, it not only does it put a guy at ease, but it, it, it builds that relationship to where, again, it goes back to, you know, the players, once they know you care about them, then, then they'll want to know, then they'll care how much, you know. Uh, yeah. And, and it's kind of one of those things too, to where if, if the players feel like you're just uh, using them. You know, it's like, what, what do you have for me and our team? You know, what, what kind of player are you, what, what can you do for us? I feel like that only really lasts so long. Um, and at a certain point that player needs to know like, Hey, he's, he's almost more loyal to me and the team and, and how we are as human beings than they are the win loss record. Cause the, the wins will come if the players feel, um, a, a connection about that coach. And that's not to say that coaches can't you know, get wins by not being that way. Um, but I just think that it's, it's less sustainable. I feel like it's more, it's, it's more, it's, it's more sustainable to, to go in. Cause you can, you can, you know, hop on a team and start yelling at everybody and try and get the most out of them. That might work for, I don't even think it works for a whole season. It might work for a half one. It might be a quick little jump start, but it's just not a sustainable way. A lot of these really great coaches, and you've coached for a very long time, so I'm sure you can speak on this too, but a lot of this comes with just, like you said, daily interactions that are not based in hockey. You know, you're, you're seeing these these people, I, I keep saying kids because everybody's younger than me now, yep. but these, these, these kids need to know that at the end of the day that I care about you as a, as a person. It, we, we all have a goal here. We're wanting to win. But um, it, it's changed a lot since I can, you know, you're a little bit older than me, but I, I think that that has changed a lot um, since we were young kids. I, I felt like when I was growing up and possibly when you were growing up, it was one of those to where coach was the boss. The expectation was to play as hard as you could. And, you know, the da, 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 da. but I feel like we've taken kind of uh, more value and put it into the, the mental aspect of these players and, you know, going back and uh, to it again the better they feel and the more connected they feel uh, and the more appreciation and uh, sometimes love they have for their coaches. You're just, you're at that point growing great hockey players that are going to skate through a wall for you. Cause those are, those are every coach's favorite players are the ones that will do anything that they ask them to do. But that doesn't come along with just saying, Hey, this is the team you're on and I'm your coach. It just yep. it does it. Yep. No, I, I agree. And I was, I was fortunate growing up. I played for a lot of guys that were very, um, like you just described. And then I'll, you know, again, we all had those coaches that were the exact opposite, you know, that were, you know, do it this way. And this is the way it is. And, and, you know, at that time you, you still learned a lot and you respected them, but it, it's just, it, everything has just evolved. And, and I agree with you a hundred percent. I, I think that, you know, if, if yelling and screaming and things like that, they, they're not sustainable. It, 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 your, 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 your kids and young men and young players, young ladies, if you're coaching gals, eventually they're just going to stop listening to you. Um, yeah. You know, so again, it just, there's ways to make your points. There's, there's ways to, to get points across. And, and again, a lot of it just comes in with the, the manner in which, you know, you, you carry yourself and, and, 
And and again, it's about respect. You want your players to respect you, but at the same time, you got to show them that as well. Yeah, yeah. No, and that, and that's that's a great point there. Um, so I kind of wanted to get back into your your coaching career because I know it's <laughs> it's been around for quite some time. <laughs> Um, but there's, there's, and here's another reason I wanted to have you on. Um, you know, I've, I've had coaches on before. Uh, some of them have been scouts. Some of them have been into, you know, player development. You've done all of this. And I think it's easy for some of us to sit back and we go, oh yeah, we know what a general manager is and we know what a player development, but at the end of the day, sometimes I don't know what those people are doing. How do you get it? How do you go from being a coach to a general manager? And, and can you kind of talk about uh, that transition, because that has to be quite a bit different than just coaching. Because at this point, you'll, you're in, I'm not going to say full control, but I don't know. Um, can you kind of talk about that transition? Because that has to be a whole, uh, whole nother realm. Yeah, no, it, it is. And uh, I've been very, very fortunate. Um, all the places at the junior level um, that I've been a, a head coach at, I've also been the GM. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's, I was very fortunate that the owners that I worked for, um, felt confident and trusted me, um, to run their programs and, and run them, you know, as effectively and efficiently, uh, as I could. And, 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 uh, it is, it's, it's very difficult because you juggle, you juggle a lot of things. I mean, you're at the tier, you know, when you're a general manager at the tier three level, you're, you're worried about finances. You're worried about collecting player fees. You're worried about getting sponsorships, you're worried about, um, you know, taking care of travel and hotels and itineraries. And, you know, you're basically in a lot of situations, you're, you're a one man band. Um, and I think, you know, I, I don't think any of my friends or family would argue when I say this, but when you have a type A personality, um, that I do, you like to have the say so, and, and I, I'm going to use the word control, but you do want to control those situations because, um, you know, those owners that hired you and trusted you to run these organizations and, and to, to do what you need to do to make them be successful, not only on the ice, but off the ice. And yeah. there's a lot of other things that goes with that. There's community involvement. Um, you know, you're, you're dealing with 16 to 20 year old young men. Um, a lot of mm -hmm. them are away from home for the first time. So there has to be, you know, there has to be rules and restrictions and guidelines and, and, you know, I would always, no matter what city I was in, I was always, I would always bring a policeman in to talk to the players about, Hey, listen, you're, you may have come from, you know, Chicago, St. Louis, Detroit, wherever. Um, but now you're living in Gillette, Wyoming, and it's a small Western community and there's expectations and you're also under the microscope. So, you know, these are things that, You've got to educate the kids. You've got to train the kids. And, and sometimes you have to do it with your staff. If you've got new coaches coming in that are not familiar with those environments. Um, so it's a lot of, lot of different things. Um, you know, I think the big shock was the first time I did it was, was obviously being responsible for budgets and dealing with all that stuff. And that's, that's where you end up spending a majority of your time when you're a, when you're a GM, um, and then, you know, obviously the coaching side of it, you know, you're doing the recruiting and you're, you're out on the road, um, quite a bit during the off season. And, uh, you know, so, so again, it's, it's, it's great experience. It's, I, you know, like I said, I've been very fortunate and very lucky and, um, blessed to work for and with the people that I have. And, and again, it's, they trusted me to run their programs and, and I like to think that I left them better, um, 
than when I came in. Uh, but it is, it is a lot of responsibility and it's, it's 24 seven. Um, yeah. again, you're, you know, you're dealing with young kids. So you may get a call from a bill at 1130 at night. Hey, our kid's not home. Okay. Yeah. You know, you got to get dressed and get in the car and go find out what's going on. Um, you know, and sometimes you have to make tough decisions. If, if players can't adhere to those rules or those standards, then, you know, obviously they're not a fit for what you want in your program. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that go with it. It's, it's, it's a very, it's very difficult, um, at first. And then once you kind of get in the rhythm and get it figured out, you can kind of, you know, you, you figure out how to manage it. Um, but I will say this, and I'll say this wholeheartedly that, um, I've been very blessed with a, a wonderful wife who's been very supportive and, um, has let me chase this dream all around the country and different places. And, you know, they're the ones that are the true heroes because when we're doing all the stuff that I'm telling you, they're taking care of the house, taking care of the kids, uh, working, working as well. Um, so it's, it, it, it doesn't happen without, it doesn't happen without the support of a lot of people. There's no doubt about that. Oh yeah. And it's kind of one of those things too, cause, uh, and I'll, I'll just relate it to, uh, the rink industry. Like I've always worked in, in rinks and, um, it's common just like with coaching and, uh, all that other stuff, it's common to move the state, yep. or, you know, across the country or, you know, whatever. So it's kind of one of those things to where, you know, at the end of the day, when you start to kind of, uh, have a family or, or put one together, it's a real serious conversation at a certain point as far as like, okay, like, so what, you know, what's coming? It's like, oh yeah, I move like every three or four years. Um, cause I, I just hit the, the four year mark. Uh, down here in Dallas, Fort Worth. And I'm like, oh, well, this is when I usually move. Yeah. I have no plans. I have no plans on moving yet. Um, you know, I have a, I have a uh, you know, good thing going uh, down here, but it's one of those things to where once you have a family, it's like it, they are a part of that, that whole thing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. and if they don't understand that, it's really difficult. But at the same time, like that's, ha- that's just kind of what we do in this industry, whether or not you're coaching or playing. Um, you know, and people forget sometimes, you know, even whether or not you're playing, you know, minor pro or, uh, NHL, wherever you are, those guys are on the road all the time. I know that there's an off season, but that, you know, that they spend a lot of time away from, you know, friends and family and that, that it's, it's a huge commitment. So if you find somebody that is willing to commit to you and your, your crazy, you know, career that you have and travel, then it's just. It's a, it's a special thing because, uh, there's a, there's a lot of people understandably that can't do that. And, um, I don't know, but at, at this point, I'm sure you're a lot like me and you're just used to moving. So if you, know, you can just, you know, Hey, I've been here for five for, you know, five or so years and what, what's good. But a lot of that is just, um, something bigger, uh, coming along and something that, uh, you know, that those are the, not the only reasons that we do what we do, but we do it in order to kind of. Uh, continue to grow and succeed, but it sounds like that's kind of what happened as far as you getting this. Because uh, I did want to kind of transition over into you uh, getting the, this 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 new job here, uh, being the assistant coach for a Division One NCAA uh, uh, team, which is a, a big deal. Um, so, can you kind of talk about how that happened? Because from everything that I've uh, from everything I know about you. Uh, it seems like maybe it was uh, not necessarily a, a, a tough decision, but you're leaving a place that really meant a lot to you. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, it, it's funny you talk about you had said where it was you're looking around saying, "Hey, I've been in you know Dallas this long. It's time to move." I was early in the summer, and my wife and I were having a conversation, and we both were basically like, "You do realize this is the most we've ever lived in one place." <laughs> down in the Decatur, Huntsville, Alabama area that we'd been there for seven years. Um, and yeah, the, the, the Lindenwood thing came up, uh, quick and, and fast and furious. And, uh, you know, uh, Rick Sambo and I, we've known each other for quite a few years and he had reached out to me, um, late June, um, about scheduling an interview, uh, to talk to him about this position. And I was absolutely floored and, excited and, uh, you know, uh, humbled. Um, and, you know, obviously conversations went on and, and, you know, I was up in, up in St. Louis, uh, the first of August, um, getting ready to start this, this new position. So it, it came about rather quickly. Um, obviously it's, it's, it's an unbelievable opportunity and, and, you know, Lindenwood, uh, Rick has been, um, running the program at Lindenwood for the last 15 years. And they've been a very, very successful uh, ACHA division one program. Um, I think they've won three national titles and they've, they've been to the national tournament for the last 15 years, just a very successful program that he has run. Um, and the amount of work that him and Jason powers and, and Mark Abney had put into that program and this, tra this transition, um, those guys did an unbelievable job. So, you know, for them to, consider and, and accept me into it and want me to join was I, I again, humblings, you know, not the, I, I don't know if there's a better word, but, um, just so, so appreciative for the the opportunity to come in and work with these guys. And, you know, obviously it's a big, big step for all of us. Um, you know, it's, it's very exciting for these the players that we have. I mean, if you've looked at our, if you've looked at our schedule, it's murderers row. Um, you know, we, we wanted to challenge the kids. Um, you know, we're, we're all in this for the long haul. Um, you know, so it's just, we, we opened the season in, in three weeks up in Minnesota at Mariucci against the Gophers, uh, <laughs> there which go. is going to be an, a, it's, it's an awesome challenge, uh, awesome challenge yeah. for us as coaches and the players. And, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's, it's like, you know what, you're going to do this. We're going to swing for the fences. and um you know, the kids have, a, have, have been awesome as far as, uh, preparing for it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's obviously a little bit of a transition from what I was doing down in Huntsville, um, being in, in the Southern professional hockey league, but, uh, this was, this was just such an awesome, awesome opportunity and, uh, the chance to get involved with these guys and this great staff and great school. It's just, it's, it's incredible. Well, it's still, but it's all set. It's also an, uh, it's an awesome opportunity for you. I, I'm sure I don't have to tell you that, but one of the cool things is you're kind of there, not from necessarily the start of their program, but from the start of their division one NCAA, I mean, you could build on this. I mean, it has to be exciting for you. Um, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, but here, but here, but here's the other thing. And I, um, you, you, you kind of talk very similar, similarly to other uh, high level coaches that I've had on here before that have like long careers. But at the end of the day, you, you probably, and I, I know that most of you guys don't like having your tires pumped here, but more often than not, when you're the general manager or coach or assistant coaching where like you're out there, like you're exposed people at the end of the day, uh, hockey is a small world. People know kind of who you are. 
Um, and I'm assuming if you're able to coach and uh, be respected, you know, for, for X amount of years, what 20 plus years, whatever it is for you now, um, at the end of the day, that's because you are um, kind of your genuine self. And I've kind of talked about this on the pod before, but it's one of those things where it's just, it's too small of a community to try and trick people. Like you have to be genuine in who you are and what you believe and what type of coach you are. So I, I would like to think that more likely than not, you deserve this by, you know, um, maintaining a good reputation, which can be hard to do in any industry or any career. But, you know, if you've been a, a good coach and a good member of the hockey community for X amount of years, there's a certain point to where, yeah, like it would make sense that good coaches would end up coaching at high levels. And I hope that, you know, you know that you're probably most likely uh, deserving of this, but not to say that you don't have to put the work in because here's where the, the work really begins. But at the end of the day, I hope you know that you most likely deserve this because bad coaches don't last very long. We'll put it that way, Tom. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, you know, I, 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 I've always tried to, I've always, and I've taught this to the players that it's like, you know what, at the end of the day, you can't lie to the man in the mirror, you know? And what I would always tell my players is at the end of the night, when you're getting ready for bed and you're brushing, brushing your teeth and you're looking in the mirror, you just got to ask yourself, did I, did I do it right today? Did I, yep. did I do things right today? And I'm human. There's days where I was like, nope, I wasn't very good today. I didn't handle this kid right, or I didn't do this right, or shouldn't have said that, or this and that. I mean, everybody's human and you have those days, but um, I think that's the best the best form of accountability is if if you can do that more times than than not, then um, things will take care of themselves. Um, you know, and again, it's just it's I've been very, very fortunate. I've worked with four great people, with great people, um, very supportive family. Uh, I just, I couldn't be, couldn't be luckier. And, and I think again, it's, there's a lot of people that, a lot of people that helped me get to, to this spot and, and get in a position to where Rick felt that, that I was a good fit to join the staff. So, um, yeah. again, it's, it's, you know, I, I think when I did get this job, I, I called all those people, um, and personally thanked them because it's kind of one of those things that you want to share because, Without those steps and those programs and those people along the way, this doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, so I, there's, a, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people that I owe a lot to. That's for sure. Yeah. But, but I, if I was to guess, I think those people, it's like we all have people and we all really know who those people are. And sometimes there's a lot of them, but we all have those people. But we're also, we can be those people to other people, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah. You know, it's like we're, we're, we're all kind of in the same boat where you don't make it anywhere on your own, at least in this industry. And you might be able to say that about life in general. But if you're talking about, you know, uh, the rink industry or the, the hockey world or coaching or playing, it's, it's, it's never done on your own. And you always kind of need uh, that support, but you only get that support, um, you know, kind of if you do things uh, the right way. Um, and like I said, with you being, and I haven't talked about, you know, obviously all the teams you've coached and for how long, but it's been, like you said, over 20 years. Yeah. Over 20 years. Yep. Yep. Man, over 20 years. So at a certain point, if, if you're able to maintain, uh, and sustain that, that long of coaching, uh, I'm sure you're doing some, some good things there. So, uh, I think Linda Wood's probably, uh, probably in good hands and 
yet again, congratulations, obviously, to Lindenwood for for uh, stepping up like that. Um, but I do like just selfishly, like I said, I'm a big Midwest guy. I love the South. It's kind of, you know, where, where I'm from. Um, but it's great to see a D1 team, you know, from the Midwest or the South. Like I was really excited when Arizona State did it. Yep. Um, it's just, it, it, it shows that hockey's growing and it also just, it, it pulls, it pulls good, you know, hockey players into the Midwest and the South. I and mean, the people are amazed, you know, I, like I said, I live down here in Dallas Fort Worth area. Uh, there's people that don't know anything about hockey and they have no idea how big it is down here and how much really good, uh, you know, I have to tell them all the time, like, Hey, there's players going to the NHL from Dallas now. Like this is a real, real thing. But, um, I just, I love to see hockey grow in the area that I'm from. And that's just me being selfish, but I just, that's what I want it to be. I want more D1 teams in the South. I think a lot of, uh, programs have deserved it. And so I'm excited for you guys. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And it, you're right. Like even the Huntsville area people, when you're like, Oh, I'm in Huntsville and coaching hockey, they're like, there's hockey down there. It's like, you have no idea how, how, (laughs) how strong the hockey community is down there and the support. I mean, with the havoc, we were getting 5,500 people a night for our games. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievable, the support and the passion. Um, and there's, you know, there's actually been a couple Huntsville natives that have played in the NHL. Um, Jared Ross played for Philadelphia for a little while. And then you've got uh, Nick Dowd, who's playing, um, I believe, is he with Washington still? Uh, yeah. But he's a, he's a Huntsville, Huntsville kid. So, um, yeah, you love to see these, these non-traditional markets do the things that they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, uh, Tom, this has been a very, very fun episode and I'm, I'm glad we got to do this. Um, I always like talking to coaches. I could probably go on for hours, just talking theory, uh, and whatnot. And you've been a lot of fun. Uh, but we have one last final segment of the show. Um, and this is where there's rules to this. Um, I don't know if you've listened to any previous episodes, but there. This is where things get serious and there are rules and if you mess up, there's consequences. All right. but essentially, this is the shout out. Um, you just have to say anything positive. This could be a shout out to friends and family. This could be a coaching mantra. This could be really anything verbal uh, that people could listen to and then walk away uh, and feel better about uh, hearing. Does that make sense? Where's the yep. shout out? Yep. <laughs> um. Well, I will start with, uh, obviously my wonderful wife, Jen, um, my two kids, uh, Hannah and Jack, uh, you guys are the best. Um, they actually have stayed down in Huntsville my daughter's senior year. So there's separation right now. Um, so sending, sending them, sending good vibes to them. Um, and again, I, I, thanks to you. Uh, this has been awesome. I really appreciate it. Um, and again, I, I, I just have to just thanks to so many people that believed in me and gave me presented me with opportunities to increase my skills as a coach and my knowledge as a, as a manager. Um, uh, you know, I just, I'm so grateful. And there's, there's so many people that if I start naming them, I'm going to leave, <laughs> I'm going to leave too many people out to where, you know, you'll start getting hate mail. Um, yeah, yeah, no, you're fine. So I just, I, you know what, I just, uh, again, just really appreciative and, um, to Rick and and the staff at Lindenwood, um, for this opportunity and excited to, to get going and, um, you know, just, uh, really, really, again, nothing 
things, things don't happen without good people in your corner. And uh, I certainly have, again, a lot of people that have supported and believed in me and, and presented me with opportunities that uh, ultimately led to this. So I'm uh, really, really one lucky, lucky individual. Well, I think that uh, I think that we all are. If we're if we're if we're still able to uh, pay our bills by being involved in the sport of hockey, uh, I think we're lucky. You know, I uh, I wake up every morning, and you know, there's times where yeah, I mean, I'm going to work, but uh, I wouldn't want to do anything else. Uh, I'm I'm a lifer. I'm into the the hockey world, the rink world. Um, no, but that 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 sounds great. I um I'm gonna go ahead, and so I have to do the shout out two times. So you're not alone on this, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead. And this is per our you know previous conversation. Um, but my shout out is going to be for the hockey families. Um, you know, the ones where, you know, dad or mom, you know, it could be mom, um, but they're on the road, they're coaching or they're, they're playing or they're, uh, they're busy. Um, I think a lot of the times you see um, success and we'll, we'll take like a, uh, somebody that has just won the Stanley Cup. That's probably the, the best example. Um, you hear this kind of thing all the time from them where they they just give so much praise to their, you know, wives or girlfriends or, or whoever's at home and taking care of the kids, doing whatever they that they need to do because their strength at home gives strength to the players or the coaches or, or whoever needs that strength at the time. Um, but it's a, there is a lot of separation. Um, and I know that, Tom, you said that, you know, you're kind of separated a little bit and uh, you know, obviously senior years are huge and, you know, it's tough to move there, but, um, you know, you're, you're being strong by, by doing the things that you need to do, but really the, the family that, that is kind of holding it down, uh, back on the homestead, there's so many cases of this being, being the case. And sometimes I don't think that they get the, uh, recognition that they deserve. So for all the wives, girlfriends, uh, sons, daughters, anybody that's at home, um, I think that's who the shout out should be for. So that's my shout out. That's awesome. Agree. Couldn't agree more. Well, here we go, Tom. Well, um, Tom, I got to tell everybody how to get a hold of us and then I'll let you go. But uh, they can find us at faceoffspotpodcast.com. I'll say that one more time. It's faceoffspotpodcast.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify. Uh, we have an Instagram. We have a Facebook. Uh, there are places where people can follow us. Um, but uh, Either way, Tom, um, this was a really good episode. I really like talking to you and uh, I wish you guys all the best. And if I'm ever able to make it up there, uh, I might put in a request that maybe you sneak me in the back door, uh, just like your older brothers did in the ring. Uh, maybe I can catch a game or something, but uh, either way, um, I'm going to reach out to you again at some Sounds great. Awesome. Thank you, Adam. Hey, Tom, thank you so much, buddy. Appreciate it very much. 